Good morning. Welcome. Before I jump in, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll do the speaker thing. I'll introduce myself. So my name is Chris Genders. Um, I work for Youth for Christ. Uh, I have been on staff at Great Oaks Community Church in Germantown Hills. That's my home church uh, for about 12 years prior to joining the staff of YFC. And this morning, you know, you, we've got guests everywhere. So CJ and Jess, thank you guys. Uh, they're from Bethany Community Church, correct? Um, and they're, uh, they're volunteering in worship here this morning. So uh, we're excited to be able to uh, serve Crosspoint as uh, you guys are having this Family Sunday, which I just absolutely love. And so I thought, since it's Family Sunday, um, I'm going to introduce my family. So here's a picture of my family. This is from a, a vacation that we did just a few weeks ago. We went down, we went way too many places, um, but this was down in South Carolina at one point. So that's my wife, Karen, over on the right. We're going to be married for 26 years, uh, coming up here in just a few weeks. Um, so hopefully we're going to do something to celebrate. Last year, COVID was our 25th. We couldn't celebrate. Uh, that's my son, Ethan, on the far left. He's, uh, well, going to be a sophomore at ICC, studying multimedia. Uh, that's his girlfriend, Lexi. She's actually a ministry intern at Great Oaks Community Church. He's going to Moody Bible Institute. I'm um, going to graduate there in about two, two and a half years. And then my daughter in the yellow in the middle, she'll be a junior at Metamora High School. And uh, she's been gone the last two weeks. They were on a, uh, went to uh, summer camp and miracle camp. And then came back, and the very next morning flew to Denver for a missions trip. Um, and just got back from that. And so I'm looking forward to hearing all of those stories. Uh, but this is my family. And uh, you guys are the Crosspoint family. Family Sunday. So I thought I'd come down off the stage. We're going to interact a little bit. We're going to have some fun. Um, I'm going to need some volunteers at various points. And at various points, all of you are going to be involved. Um, but before we get to that, I thought, you know, children's ministry workers are absolutely amazing. Um, I work with students. I stop at like sixth grade. I don't go, be go below that. My wife works in the nursery. She loves babies, but she likes to hand them back now too. So that's really nice. So if you are one of the children's ministry volunteers in this church, would you stand for us so we can recognize you? Thank you guys so much. Um, just know that you are planting seeds that God is going to use uh, to harvest um, a plentiful bounty, uh, harvest uh, in the future. And so thank you for that. Now, if you're a kid who is normally in kids' ministry this morning, I need to hear from you. Remember, you invited a student pastor to come be a guest preacher. So um, parents, I'm giving your permission, your kids' permission, probably we would do this at Crosspoint, but, you know, hey, Dave's gone, so uh, I'm in charge. So if you're a kid who's normally in kids' ministry, would you just get loud for me? Like, I want to hear you, like, yell, hoop, holler, clap, do whatever. Ready? On the count of three, I want to hear you. Ready? One, two, three. You can get better than that. I, there we go. Boom. I like this guy. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much. That is so cool. Man, it is my pleasure uh, to be here with you this morning. Like I said, uh, we're going to have some fun uh, with uh, the service this morning, but I also hope to inspire you. You know, I hope to, to get you to begin to see the world around you through the eyes of God and to begin to, to interact with the world around you the way Jesus would have us interact, you know, with the world around us. So let me pray, and then we'll get into our scripture for the morning. Father God, thank you for uh, this church. Thank you for uh, the kingdom work that is being done here, um, that it's not about um, a pastor, an elder, a small group leader, a kids ministry, a student ministry. It's, it's not about the building, but it's all about Jesus. 
And so, Father, this morning we want to, to lift up the name of Jesus. I pray that, that through the, the conversations we have this morning, through uh, the music and the worship, through song, uh, through the word that's spoken this morning, uh, that you would just draw us into deeper relationship uh, with you. Father, we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 18. Uh, you can use a print Bible, you can use uh, your digital Bible, whatever you want to use. Uh, I'm going to read this, and then we're going to come back to it at various sections. But just so you know kind of where we're going with the Scripture this morning, we're at the parable of the, the Pharisee and the tax collector. It says, Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. We're in Luke 18, verse 9. That they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get, but the tax collector standing far off would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest and saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this one went down to his house justified rather than the other, because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And then we, we read on. We don't know if this happened right after this or if it was another day or another week or when, but it says that people were bringing infants to him to Jesus, so that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked these parents. Jesus, however, invited them. Let the little children come to me and don't stop them, because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. So I always like to have a big idea. I'm going to move the podium out here, because I just, I feel like I'm going to be out here. So here we go. I'm messing with you guys in the media booth, so... I told him we were going to do things differently this morning. I always like to have a big idea whenever I preach. It's just like one main thought that I build the whole message around. And so this morning, the big idea, and we're going to see this a lot, is this, that our view of God and our view of ourselves determines how we approach God. Now, you're going to see this many, many times throughout the morning. So whenever I say this, as soon as I get done with that and I say how we approach God, I need the whole audience to just shout out the word approach. Okay, so let's practice this. So after I get done saying the word God, you're going to shout out the word approach. I'm counting on you. Can, you. can you shout out approach really loud? All right, we got this. He's like, now you're calling me out. Our view of God and our view of ourselves determines how we approach God. Nice, nice, nice. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but we all approach different people based on our relationship with them, right? Based on how well we know them. I need a couple volunteers. I need some, some kids or students who are really good friends. Like, like you're just really good friends, seriously. Like you're awesome, best friends. Anybody? Any volunteers? Obviously, you gotta be a little extroverted. You gotta be willing to, to come up because you're gonna demonstrate something for me. So I need you to come up here with me. Anybody, any takers? Don't worry, adults, you're gonna get your chance too. So we got one? Any, anybody? Siblings? Siblings would be good. A brother, sister? Anybody? CJ? Jess? Your family? No? Hey, I got all day. There's only one service, so we can, we can go all... You guys? Are you guys... Give it up for these guys. All right, what are... Hold on. 
Oh, I don't have a microphone. What are your names? Paisley and Wren. Awesome. Okay. So I need you guys to act out something for me, okay? So are you guys siblings or are you friends? Siblings. Okay. Do you guys like each other? Most of the time. Every now and again. I have, I have a brother and two sisters, so I get it. All right. So here, I want you guys to come over here. And I want you, one of you stand here and one of you go over here. And I want you to pretend and imagine that you guys have, are best friends, but you haven't seen each other in a couple years, right? And all of a sudden, you walk in, you guys are the best of friends. Like, you guys spent so much time together as little kids, and now you're, gro- you're adults, and you're grown up, and you have jobs and families, and you've moved away from home, but you, like, come back home for something, and you see each other for the first time. She's getting embarrassed. And you see each other for the first time. Like, how do you react to each other? Like, you see each other. What do you do? Do you run to each other? Do you like hug, high five, fist bump? What do you do? Can you show us? Aww, very good, very good, very good. Okay, now, I know this isn't true, okay? But I want you to pretend something, okay? I know it's not true. Pretend like you don't like each other. Like you're the worst of enemies. <laughs> and all of a sudden you see each other. Like what do, what do your face, ooh, that's good. What do your faces look like? Starts to scrunch up a little bit. Maybe you take a little defensive. <laughs> wow. Wow. All right. Did you see this? Like, if you're friends with people, like, it's a different reaction than if you're enemies with them, right? Like, how our relationship with people determines our approach. Can you guys give it up for these guys? And I have candy. Can they have candy? I, I, I realize you probably ask parents that, so... I got sweets and I got chocolate. Okay, awesome. Thank you guys so much. That's so cool. I need a couple, a husband and wife. But you got to be extroverted. Maybe you were on the drama team when you were in high school. <laughs> Brody's offering. I, need, I just need a, I need a husband and wife. I need a husband and wife willing to, to stand up here with me. I got candy. I got candy. All right, all right. Come on up. Come on up. <clears throat> all right. I'm not going to ask you to tell us the whole story, but at some point you didn't know each other, right? And so all of a sudden, like, you're in the room, right? And like across the crowd, like time stops, the lights go dim, the spotlight comes down on their heads, and their eyes connect across the room, right? Like, what is this? How, how, am I getting close to this moment? Like, yeah, completely. completely. <laughs> all right, so let's reenact this moment. So you're over there, you're over here. And uh, like we're, I don't know, let's say you know, you're at a sporting event, you're at church, you're at, you know, school. Uh, where did you guys meet? Um, a cell phone store. A cell phone store. I was a salesperson who came to buy a phone. All right, let's reenact this moment. Let's reenact this moment. This is amazing. I love this. All right. So it opens the door, like the lights go. <laughs> All right. And then you stop and you see each other. Who made the first move? Oh, no, but I'm talking about who made the first romantic move. Like, how did the first date come about? Like, who, like, can I get your phone number? Can I? No, let's just pretend it all happened in one moment. Okay, okay. So, do you want to hang out sometime? What's your name? Brandon. Brandon. He'll be teaching dating classes to all the students soon. Like, that was his proposal? You want to maybe get married. I, my actual proposal is much worse, and that's a story for another day. Um, that's awesome. Okay. All right. Yeah, we have a very 
Yeah, that's amazing. I love it. No? Okay. All right. Yeah, okay. There we go. But at some point, like, you guys met in the cell phone store, and you knew that something was going to happen here, and you approached each other very differently than if you were just a normal customer coming in for the store, right? All right, all right. So, love interest, you're approaching each other differently. Give it up for these guys. Thank you. And you get candy also. You get candy also. All right. <laughs> I remember when, uh, when I met my wife, we knew each other in college. Um, we were at a baptism at our campus ministry, and I was over on one side, and her friend Julie uh, and, and Karen wove themselves through the crowd to stand next to me. And I had been dating Julie's uh, roommate, and we had broken up, and, and uh, all of a sudden Karen and Julie are standing next to me, and, and I'm like, hey, Julie, hey, Karen. And they're like, hey, Chris. Karen's like, hey, Chris. <laughs> I'm sure that's what it was, at least in my heart it was. And so I take Julie home that night, and uh, she's like, hey, so, you know, how soon before you think you're going to be ready to date again? And I was like, 7 p.m.? Like, that works for me. And I was like, why? Do you have somebody in mind? And she goes, maybe. I was like, was it Karen Stackowitz by chance? And she goes, was it that obvious? I'm like, oh, yeah, it was that obvious, right? But we, we started talking. We dated. We got married. We now have kids. Like, how we view somebody determines our approach to them, Right? Think about celebrities. Anybody ever seen a celebrity? Just raise a hand. We don't need to know who or when it was, but if you ever seen a celebrity, like there's that moment you're like, oh my goodness, that's Tom Hanks. Like I've seen Tom Hanks in person. He came, uh, shot part of a film in, in my wife's hometown and we heard he was going to be in town and so we went down and we got to see him and he, we're like in this crowd of people and he walked by and he's like waving everybody. He was super nice. It was awesome. Jude Law, not so much, but Tom Hanks was awesome, right? Uh, Tom Hanks was amazing. I've also been around when uh, world leaders have come in to a town, and that's a very different. You don't approach world leaders, right? There is no approach. Uh, they're protected. They're guarded. You know, there's no getting to know the president of the United States, the queen of England, all of these things, right? Our relationship with somebody determines our approach. Uh, several years back, um, I got a chance to meet one of my uh, favorite authors and pastors and podcasters, a uh, picture here, Kerry uh, Newhoff. He uh, wrote a book that was just instrumental for me uh, about five, six years ago. It really helped me through a difficult time. And I was uh, with some student leaders. We were at a conference, and uh, he was one of the keynote speakers. And so I, I knew I'd get to see him on stage. Like, that was awesome. And I saw him earlier in the day. He was up on stage. But then you know, we went to lunch, and we're coming back for the afternoon session. He's not speaking in the afternoon session. But we walk into the back of the church, just kind of like this. You know, the stage is up there. And we're, we're walking in, and, and me and all my student leaders, and I look to my left, and oh my goodness, Carrie Newhoff is standing right there, all by himself. And I'm like, oh, this is my chance. I'm going to get you. No, that's embarrassing. I'm not going to do that. I'm like, yeah, I need to go meet him. No, I can't do that, you know? Uh, my student leaders made fun of me so much for that moment, because they're like, we have never seen you so flustered and so like fanboy moments, you know, over somebody. But I did. I got the courage, and I went and, and got a picture with him, and I talked with him, and, and then he started, like, asking me questions about the book, and he's like, I'm writing another book. Can I ask you some questions? I'm like, oh, Carrie Newhoff is asking me questions, and he's writing things down in his phone, and, and I'm like, wait, that was a horrible thing for me to say. Don't quote me in the next book. Please don't do that, right? But it was a cool moment. I didn't know him, but I felt like I did, and, and so my relationship with him uh, determined my approach. So here's our, our big idea. Once again, remember you have a part in this. Our view of God and our view of ourselves determines how we approach God. <laughs> approach. A.W. Tozer, famous theologian, said, what comes into our minds when we think about God 
is the most important thing about us. What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Sometimes we have the wrong view of God. Sometimes we think God might be uh, like a genie in the bottle. Anybody seen Aladdin, right? Uh, you rub the lamp and the genie comes out and you get three wishes. Sometimes we think of God that way. And so, so our approach to God is, is just what can we get from God? Uh, sometimes we think that, that God might be a, a police officer, right? And he's just waiting to watch us do something, to catch us doing something wrong. Uh, I was driving home from Michigan yesterday with students and from Miracle Camp and and, and any time, like, we're cruising along, and I had the cruise set at just two miles over the speed limit, but every time I saw a police officer, I'm like, a little heart palpitation, right? Like, sometimes we think of God that way. Like, God's just looking at trying to watch us and find out and catch us when we do something wrong. Uh, sometimes we think of God as the principal's, you know, sitting in his office, and you get that pass to come to the principal's office. It's a horrible feeling. I, I, I was in our local high school a few years ago, and uh, I was in there, and I was talking to one of the secretaries, and the principal walks in, and, and he's like, oh, Chris, I need to talk to you. Can you come into my office? And I was like a kid in, in school again. I'm like, what did I do? Like, wait a minute, I didn't do anything wrong? I'm, I'm like 44 years old, getting nervous walking into the principal's office, right? Like when I was a little kid, once again, I might have spent a little time in the principal's office, right? <laughs> but sometimes we think about God as this principal, who's this authority figure over us, and that's really all he is. Our view of God determines our approach to God. Luke 18.9, our text today. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Have you, ever, have you ever spent much time around people like this? People who are, are confident of their own righteousness, who, who look down on everybody else? Sure we have. We all have. We have family members. We have coworkers. We have neighbors. We have teammates. We have classmates in school. Really, every time we ever talk to them, they're, they're talking down about somebody else. They're lifting themselves up over other people around them, right? And it's exhausting to be around those people. And these are the, the people that Jesus is speaking to in this moment. Can we be honest, though? We've all been that person. We've all had those moments, and maybe more frequently than we care to admit, when we're someplace and we look around us and we're like, oh, thank God I'm not like that person. Oh, I, that person's not have their life together. I, I went to family vacation a couple weeks ago. We went to Myrtle Beach. Picture here, beautiful place. Very diverse, interesting people. And we go down one night for dinner and we're walking the boardwalk and it's getting dark, and so some of the more unique people are coming out at night, and we're walking along. I got my family, and I'm like the protector and, you know, all that kind of stuff, and I'm like scanning, my head's on a swivel, because I don't know what's going to happen, and I'm judging people left and right. Oh, thank God I'm not like that person. Like, wh why didn't that person have their life together? We had a moment in the store where I thought I was going to have to step into a moment um, that was just, I'm glad it didn't develop. Now, you don't need to know the full details of the story. But, but my initial thoughts about this man, this husband, this father, were not good. 
And in the same moment, almost instantaneously, God's like, Chris, Jesus loves him. And I need you to begin to see him through the eyes of Jesus. And it was really hard. Can we be honest? We've, we've all been there. This is the moment that, that Jesus steps into. I'm talking to people like me in Myrtle Beach who were convinced of their own righteousness, looking down on, on other people, quick to judge. And Jesus tells a story. We call it a parable. Parables are, are simply the stories that Jesus uses uh, to illustrate the kingdom of God, the, the rule and reign of God. And remember that the, the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. If you've been around the church much, if you've been around the scriptures much, uh, you know that things like the first shall be last and the last shall be first. You know, rather than, than curse your enemy, pray for them, love your enemy. Like, that's an upside-down kingdom. And this is the kingdom that, that God is calling us into, that Jesus is calling us into. Look again at Luke chapter 18. It'll be on the screen here. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Do you hear the arrogance in this guy's voice? I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast. And he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, the, the Pharisee, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Again, this is an upside-down kingdom. Because in this culture, Pharisees were highly esteemed. They were highly regarded by people around. The, their devotion to God. The sacrifice of their life. I mean, in, in, in this story, uh, everybody was expecting the Pharisee to be praised by Jesus. Tax collectors were scum. They were horrible people. And everybody expected Jesus to just condemn the tax collector. And instead, he does the, the opposite. I need a couple of volunteers. I need a Pharisee, I need a tax collector. You don't actually have to be these people, um, but I need you to, to illustrate some. So any, any former drama students, you know, adults maybe that, that were in musicals in high school, spring plays, anything like that? Do we have a couple of those? Or maybe you just wanted to be, but you never made the cut. Can I get a couple of adult volunteers? Anyone? You got it? Okay. Do you want to be, since you were the first volunteer, do you want to be the Pharisee? Yeah. Oh, with a goofy shirt? Oh, okay. He said it. I didn't. Rock, paper, scissors, since you stood up first, you get to be Pharisee or tax collector, your call. Oh, I'm a Pharisee. Pharisee, all right, you're a tax collector. Okay, all right, so come on over here, Mr. Pharisee. Thank you, Mr. Tax Collector. You guys really just want candy, don't you? That's all you're here for. <laughs> all right, we're going to reenact this scene a little bit in parable, right? So the tax collector is off in the distance, like you're, you're, not even, you're not even in the temple. Like you don't deem yourself worthy, right? So I need you to like demonstrate for all of us around here the, the smugness of a Pharisee. <laughs> Are you an elder of this church, by the way? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I think it's going to Oh, beautiful. Love it. Love it. <laughs> All right. So, the Pharisee. Here, let me just read some descriptions of the Pharisee. And you just act these out as you hear them, right? He assumed he had met God's standard for righteous living. 
He looked down on contempt with others. All the time. No evidence of humility or grace. Yeah. Can we get a spotlight on this guy, right? It's all about external performance, right? No element of confession. Of course not. You never do anything wrong. You you fast twice a week. You give all your money, the tenth of your money. Absolutely. Tax collector. Let's act this out a little bit. You're, You're hated by your fellow people. Can you guys boo the tax collector for a second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't like him, right? Two reasons. Number one, he steals money from you, right? Nobody likes it when people steal money from you, so let's boo him a little louder, right? Don't actually boo people in real life, kids. Um, he also, you know, works for the Roman government, and as Jews, we don't like the Roman government, so that's like double boo. So double, give a double boo. There we go, there we go, all right? He was constantly looked down on by others. Everybody looked down on him. Point fingers at him. He didn't even, you know what though? I mean, he re- kind of recognized this. He didn't even try. There was, he, he knew he couldn't come into the presence of the Pharisee. Like there was just no way, right? Strike his chest. Strike your chest. There we go. <laughs> Wouldn't even raise his eyes to God. Like lowered his eyes. Shame, guilt. And this is the Pharisee. This is the tax collector. Can you guys give it up for them? Don't go anywhere, though. Don't go anywhere. What's interesting is the tax collector exhibits exactly what Jesus wants people to exhibit. The Pharisee didn't. In all of his righteousness, he didn't exhibit it. The tax collector did. Jesus said once in Matthew 5, verse 3, uh, that the, the kingdom of blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Being poor in spirit is spiritually bankrupt. You have nothing to give, nothing to, to earn your salvation. Uh, the psalmist writes in fifty one seventeen that the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. The tax collector, he recognized his own sinfulness. The Pharisee didn't, the tax collector did. The tax collector recognized that that there was nothing he could do to make himself right. It wasn't about the external show. It was only about what God would do. And so the Pharisee, he left the temple just as smug and arrogant as he was before. Leave the temple. Take candy with you, though. There you go. You're welcome. You're welcome. The tax collector... I don't know what just happened back there behind me. The tax collector, he left the temple too, but all of a sudden he left the temple right with God, forgiven by God because of his broken and contrite spirit. So now you look up to God and you're thanking him and go get some candy. So give it up for these guys. Ah, thank you. Was that a hint? Are you trying to tell me I have coffee breath? (laughs) remember our big idea our view of God and our view of ourselves determines how we approach God approach it's interesting that Jesus you know our scripture for today doesn't stop there you know Dave asked me to to go on and include these next few verses and it's a fascinating connection as I I've never connected these moments together in the teaching so let's read Luke 18, 15, and 17. 
It says people were bringing infants to him. Parents were bringing small children to him so that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. Jesus, however, invited them, let the little children come to me and don't stop them because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Think baby dedications. Do we do baby dedications here at Crosspoint, right? Parents are bringing their children up to dedicate them to raising them in a Christian home. Uh, That's what's happening in this moment. Parents are bringing infants to Jesus. And they're just asking him to, to bless their infants. And the disciples are, are like, what are you doing? Jesus has a lot more important things to do than bless your babies. But Jesus takes this moment and he says, whoa, 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 hold up. These little babies, they provide an illustration for us of how we should approach God. Do we have any babies in the room? Parents that would be willing to, to bring a baby up for us for a moment. Yeah? What's the name? Kinsley. Awesome. Awesome. I don't want to, to cheer for Kinsley in my startle. All right. I want you guys to... So let me just ask, what's your name? Brad. Brad. Okay. Brad, can she feed herself? No, not really, right? Does she dress herself? Does she, like, bathe herself? No. Does she do anything for herself other than look cute? No. <laughs> right? She's amazing. She's totally dependent on you guys as her parents, and maybe brother and sister help out a little bit too, right? She's totally dependent on you guys. This is a picture that Jesus uses in this moment. He says, listen, we as followers of Jesus, we're called to be infants before God, to be totally dependent upon God, to be helpless before God, to lean on God for everything, to trust him for everything. Does a baby have any arrogance? No. Does a baby have any smugness of the Pharisee? No. The baby has nothing. There's nothing that, that Kinsley, Kin, Kinsley, there's nothing that Kinsley is coming up here today going, I got this baby thing down. Like, I am the world's best baby. Like, she probably is, but I am the world. No, she's not thinking that. She looks at mom and dad and she's like, love you guys. Right? This is the picture that, that God wants to use for us today. It says, unless we become like a child, like an infant, when it comes to approaching God, utter dependency upon God, if we think we can bring any of our own righteousness to this relationship with God, we're fooling ourselves. We have to become like babies. Thank you so much. Take some candy. You can take them both because you've got other kids over there. I don't, I don't have any other volunteers, I don't think, so here you go. Here you go. You're welcome. You're welcome. If I do, steal it from him, although he's kind of jacked. I don't know if I'd steal candy from him. <laughs> This is what the tax collector understood. He knew there was nothing that he could bring to God. He probably didn't think of himself as a baby, but that's his heart position before God. To God, I can't fix myself. I can't do any of this on my own. I need you. Totally, utterly dependent upon God. Here's our big idea. Our view of God and our view of ourselves determines how we approach God. Good. So we've talked a little bit about how we're supposed to view ourselves, not as the Pharisee, but as the tax collector, not as a, a grown-up adult, but as a baby. But what about our view of God? 
How do we make sure that we have the right view of God as we're thinking about how to approach God? Again, sometimes we think of God as a genie in a bottle, as a police officer, as a principal, waiting to catch us doing something wrong. How are we supposed to view God? I think the answer is simple. We overcomplicate it way too often. It's, it's this. It's Jesus. If we want to know how to approach God, then we look to Jesus. We look to, to his characteristics, his personality, the way he interacted with the world. Jesus says that he and the Father are one, the Trinity, right? We believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three persons in one being. When we see Jesus, we see God. He is the living embodiment of God. And so our view of God, and thus our approach to God, can be shaped by our view of Jesus. Uh, how we interact with the world around us can be shaped by watching how Jesus interacted with the world around him. I, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of non-Christians love Jesus. They just do. They're fascinated by him. Uh, his love for people, his mercy, his compassion, the wisdom of his teaching, like, uh, like how he just poured himself out for other people. A lot of non-Christians love Jesus. You know what they don't like? Us. They view Christians as righteous and judgmental, self-righteous and, and judgmental, like the Pharisee here today. Mahatma Gandhi was once asked his view of Christianity, and he said this, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. That's a convicting statement. I like your Christ. I don't like your Christians. They're so unlike Jesus. So let's, let's become more like Jesus. Jesus pursues the lost. Jesus cares for the poor and the broken. Jesus <clears throat> elevates the status of women, of widows, of orphans, of refugees. Jesus puts himself um, after others, lifts others up first. Jesus doesn't condemn people. He calls sin, sin, but he does it with compassion. Jesus dies to self, like Bailey read Philippians 2, 5 through 11. That wasn't planned. She didn't know what I was teaching on today, and that's a Holy Spirit moment, perfect passage. You want to know the heart of Jesus? Go read Philippians 2, 5 through 11. They left the throne room of heaven. All the rights and the, uh, the authority and the blessings of being in the presence of God to come down to be a baby, completely and utterly dependent on Joseph and Mary, to grow, to become a man, to die on the cross for our sins, to rise from the dead for all of mankind, not just us. So my prayer for us today is that, that we can demonstrate this kind of love to the watching world, and that we lose any sense of, of self-righteousness, and we lay down our lives at the foot of the cross and become like babies in the arms of our Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today. Thank you that we can come together and we can study your word and we can do so with, with laughter and joy, with candy, with conviction, Father, I think your Holy Spirit is doing a work in, in many of our hearts and minds right now. I know you have in mind as I prepared this message, thinking about those moments when, when my smugness 
overtook my compassion. Father, would you see love and grace and compassion and mercy growing exponentially in my life as I look at the people around me? Father, forgive me for those moments when, when I lack those traits, when I'm not like Jesus to the world. And would you open my eyes to that uh, quicker and quicker and quicker, that my heart would turn from a place of judgmentalism to compassion and move me into places where maybe I never would have gone before. And Father, that's not my prayer just for me. That's our, my prayer for this church. Lord, thank you for the men and women and kids who make up this church, for all the, the faithful ministry. And would you continue to use gatherings like these and small groups and, and BBSs and student trips to help us become more and more like your son, Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.